0: This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes store, Google Play, or on the Podbean app. And while you're there, I'd love a review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. Today on the podcast, I have a guest. I've got John Silamparis, who is an MFT therapist, an LMFT in Los Angeles, John is also the host of a podcast called Mindfulness for the Soul. And I asked John to come on and be a guest on the podcast because John specializes in OCD and I haven't done an episode on OCD and so I wanted to have him on and talk about that and just kind of get an overview and some ideas for those dealing with OCD or a loved one who's dealing with OCD. So welcome to the show John.
1: Thank you for having me, Jackie.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on. So why don't we start with kind of a definition of OCD and a brief overview or what you find is important when you're starting with clients who are dealing with this?
1: Sure. So OCD is an anxiety disorder. Sometimes people try to distinguish one from the other, but it is an anxiety disorder. And anxiety disorders are the most popular disorder or psychiatric condition in the United States. And, but OCD specifically is considered a psychiatric neurobiological illness that is linked to problems in the regulation of the brain's chemical serotonin. Seems to be some imbalance there. And serotonin, as we all know, is very important because it plays a critical role in the control of moods and subsequent behaviors. Now, OCD can be influenced greatly by life events such as trauma, loss, chronic illness, financial problems, relationships, discord, issues from the past. So its origin is usually a nexus of both genetics and the environment. So you could have panic disorder or generalized anxiety disorder or just be a general worrier throughout your life. And then you could have one of these adverse events in your life and suddenly you have these very specific OCD symptoms and then your anxiety changes. So it's actually not as common as Generalized anxiety disorder or the other types of anxieties that we see more often. But the numbers are, according to the CDC, that 3% of the population in the United States, roughly 6 million Americans, suffer from OCD at some point in their lives.
0: And so, would somebody, you know, let's say somebody has like a more generalized anxiety disorder that they have been dealing with and then have one of these adverse events happen. Would they notice the shift? What would they notice or what would people around them start to notice?
1: So they would notice that they're probably going to have a combination of two things. Obsessive compulsive disorder is really two things. It's obsessions, which are defined as these repetitive thoughts, ideas, or mental images or impulses that an individual experiences that are really, really intrusive and sometimes inappropriate. They're scary. And then coupled with that, they see compulsions. And compulsions are defined as these also repetitive, but very ritualistic behaviors that an individual feels compelled to perform in an effort to avoid or decrease the anxiety that's created by the obsessions. So you'll see a big difference where instead of just having excessive worry about things, your worry will be kicked up a notch and these worries will be obsessive and you might start performing things. Like for example, if you develop, basically these days, people are developing phobias because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So if you obsessively worry about the coronavirus and you have OCD diagnosis, you might be obsessing about it so much more where you are constantly checking your Googling symptoms. You're constantly checking the news. You're constantly checking your Your throat or your nose or seeing if you have headaches and wondering if you have a cold yourself and you do it so much that it interrupts your day. So that would be obsessing about the coronavirus and then enlisting these control strategies to make sure that you don't get it. So you would see that, but it would be an obsessive way where again, your world, your life is interrupted and you are seeing some kind of impairment in your day. You're unable to go to work or you're unable to take care of your kids, things like that.
0: Okay. And it's going to be, from what you're describing, it's going to be uh, like a specific obsession or it's not more generalized.
1: Yeah. It's usually a little more specific. People tend to have, the most popular is germophobia. So catching an illness, getting sick, getting food poisoning, but it's mainly catching something and getting sick. So that means that people do a lot of checking.
0: They Mm -hmm. do
1: a lot of um, repetitive ritualistic behaviors In hopes of averting disaster. So remember, nobody does something compulsively for no reason at all. You and I could speak for days and you wouldn't be able to come up with something that you do or that you worry about that doesn't give you a benefit. So worry is the same thing. Worry gives us benefit. Worry says, if I worry enough about something, bad things won't happen. Mm. So the obsessing is always justified by I'm doing everything in my power to feel safe. Mm-hmm. So that's a little part of that. Now, the you know obsessions are not always exaggerated fears about real life situations. And they're not always connected to commonplace problems such as relationships and financial concerns. In fact, individuals with OCD are quite often very distressed precisely because they recognize that their unwanted thoughts are excessive and they notice that they're irrational. So they sometimes start obsessing but having those thoughts. So in other words, it's not just that I feel scared that I touched you know, a doorknob in a public toilet, but they start to feel scared that they're gonna start obsessing about having touched the doorknob on the toilet for the next couple of weeks. Okay. So, so it's generalized obsessing, but it's also obsessing about obsessing, which is kind of hard to explain. I hope that made sense.
0: Right, right. Kind of like with panic attacks, you can have a panic attack about having a panic attack.
1: Exactly. People with panic disorder, uh, of course, are shocked and scared and completely overwhelmed by the panic attack. But then most of the time they're afraid of having another one. So they end up staying home and they get agoraphobic because those symptoms were horrible. So with OCD, the symptoms of being caught, the brain lock of being caught in my thoughts is as scary as catching the disease.
0: Mm -hmm. And does there seem to be like a age or like does this occur for children or is it more with adults is there anything about that
1: there are cases with kids you know being very young and having this but usually it starts to blossom blossom is probably the wrong word mushroom i guess you know age 10 11 and on when kids start becoming much more aware of the world and they're out of the magical thinking of being a child Mm -hmm. Um, They start worrying about their looks or they start worrying about you know just being much more aware of what's out there. So there are many, many different types of OCD that we see with young people as well as adults, germophobia being number one. But there are also the types of checking OCDs, the people that fear always disaster. So there are people that have long rituals before they leave their homes, before they go to work. They have to check appliances that are off they have to check windows, doors, locks, just making sure that everything is in order. And in doing that, that takes up a lot of time. Sometimes it takes hours for them to leave their homes. And then there are other people that really like and need the concept of symmetry. They need to have things in order. Groceries need to be stacked in order. Their closets need to be either alphabetical or by color. And then so the rest of their day has to be that way too. If there's any digression in their days, it starts to make them anxious.
0: Okay. And that's also, it sounds like if this is going on for an individual and if they're in a relationship or they live with somebody, other people are going to be able to see this.
1: Yes. And that's another thing is is a lot of people do come in with their partners and the partners usually complain and ask, you know, how is it that I can help my spouse, my partner? And so, yeah, the other person is as affected as the person with OCD. They don't suffer as much because they're not going through sort of the mental machinations of, of needing all of that, but they do suffer. And so everyone's affected. You know, everyone is touched by this illness. Um, other types of obsessions are, as I mentioned, you know, contamination, needing uh, complete safety and security at home, symmetry at home. Sometimes people also have fears of accidentally or purposefully committing an act which one considers to be violent or harmful to others. They have what's called harm OCD, where they start to fear that with one single act or impulse they could hurt others and or they could hurt themselves. And 99.9% of the time, nobody ever really does that. Let's see, we have people also what's called scrupulosity. This Mm -hmm. is a kind of excessive fear that involves your faith and involves feeling like you've done something sinful, immoral, something sacrilegious. And so they have a constant preoccupation with their acts and the things that they say and compulsions that result in that. Well, if you go back to contamination, the most common one we see is washing. We know that people wash or shower excessively using antibacterial cleaning products in an effort to kind of eradicate potential contaminants. That we see very often. But if you have that sense of needing control all day long, there's going to be other things in your life that you're going to do the same. So if I wash excessively, if I fear something, and I, I, I basically bend and fall vulnerable to my obsession, I'm going to do that throughout my day in other areas too.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: leave no stone unturned at work. I have to make sure my car is always gassed and everything's fine. Things like that.
0: Okay. Say a little bit more about the scrupulosity.
1: Well- it's very common actually. These are people that have basically grown up with religion in their lives. And, you know, sometimes we call it a little magical thinking when you think that there can be a supernatural force that can have influence on your life in a negative way. I know a lot of people believe that to be in a positive way, but these people take it in a negative way. So that there's a constant monitoring that they are being watched and that they basically are not allowed to make mistakes. They're not allowed to sin. They're not allowed to like things that they think they shouldn't like. They have a lot of guilt. And so they're not only answering to, let's say family values and family traditions, they're also answering to some kind of you know, higher up authority. And if you have OCD and you have that kind of thinking, it's kind of dangerous because it creates so much wonder and so much worry because anything can happen. It's not, there's nothing specific. We know in psychotherapy is not an exact science. Well, for many people, faith is not necessarily an exact science. It's much more of a feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to distinguish that. And that causes people a lot of distress. Why do you ask? Do you have people that have some scrupulosity in your... In your practice
0: we do get that and i also i was just thinking coming from that like a religious background it might not be as obvious as maybe like the hand washing or the checking or different things like that you would you maybe would describe this person as just really orthodox or you know like a very religious person instead of maybe having ocd
1: right and I'm glad you brought that up, right, but the difference is somebody with o c d and that kind of religion has an excessive worry and an excessive obsessing about that, and that i'm pretty sure is not correct i mean not that it 's not correct, but that it's not normal in terms of somebody who's just your basic you know religious uh-huh. church going believer
0: okay so this it would, would, this, this, think
1: is, this, this is excessive I'm sorry, say again
0: you would think that it would still maybe stand out in the congregation or that person would still maybe go above and beyond what the congregation is doing.
1: Yes. This would stand out. This would be a lot more. This would be a constant fear, a constant obsessive worry that they are going to be struck down by, you know, the almighty or lightning or something bad is going to happen to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a patient years ago who came from a religious family and she got an abortion at 21 with her boyfriend, which she very much regretted and felt bad that she had to do that. Obviously it went against her religion. Then two years later, the boyfriend unfortunately got cancer and passed away. Mm. And so she naturally took that to mean that she was punished because of that, that she was punished Mm -hmm. because of the abortion, that she didn't have the child and went against her beliefs. And so it took a long time to help unravel that for her. And that's an example of that. So, you know, from age 24 till I saw her at 38, she suffered greatly because of the OCD around that.
0: Right. So let's talk about, uh, first, before we get into like treatment modalities, Are do you find coexisting mental health disorders that package with OCD?
1: Ah, great question. Yes. Um, so other anxiety disorders as well, like you see people with social anxiety and OCD, You see people with, as I mentioned before, generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks are a big part of that. But I think the one that you see the most together with that is um, major depressive disorder. Mm. And it's either because people have been anxious for so long and suffering from OCD that they get depressed about it, Um, or they just concurrently go together because there's that imbalance in the brain. And sometimes it's a fine line between anxiety and depression. So either way, the serotonin is not firing right, but I would say that depression, which is the second most popular um, mental health condition in the United States, those two are probably the most popular that you'll see together.
0: Okay. And so when you're treating somebody with OCD, what are the various treatment modalities?
1: Well, the first one, and first and foremost, the most important one is cognitive behavioral therapy.
0: Okay. And
1: that's where we use I'm sure you know, and your listeners probably know, but just to go over it, it's a restructuring of thought patterns, a restructuring of negative thought patterns and the breaking down of faulty belief systems, Mm -hmm. which is really the linchpin that keeps the uh, OCD obsessing together because you believe them wholeheartedly. And so this type of therapy helps you challenge those thoughts. It's also about identifying and changing the automatic thoughts we have from the negative stimuli, helping people improve their poor impulse control so that you don't act out so quickly from those thoughts, and then separating rational thoughts from irrational thoughts. So the best thing that people start to do is, the excessive need for control is really part of the linchpin that I just mentioned that keeps OCD together, in other words, if I'm an excessively controlling person, and I don't mean that in a critical way. I just mean that if that's the way my thinking is, that means I don't like uncertainty. I want guarantees in my life and I want to know the outcome of everything. So as we know, there are no guarantees in life, mm-hmm. except maybe death and you know, taxes and things like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and breaking the law, if, you're breaking the, if you break the law, there's a good chance you're going to pay for it in some way. Some people get away with it, some don't. So CBT is helping people to break down the excessive need for control and try to sit better with the uncertainty of a negative thought. People with OCD tend to be very impulsive. They have a negative thought. They say, oh my God, I just touched something that could have been contaminated. I have to go wash my hands. And so we try to have them sit a little bit with the discomfort before they wash their hands. That leads to the second form of treatment, which is exposure therapy. Exposure mm-hmm. therapy is literally exposing you to the stimuli, which is in this case, a thought that you're now contaminated so that each time you expose yourself and you wait and you delay doing the compulsion, you start to habituate to it and then it starts to dilute the charge and you feel less of an urge to do it so quickly. Does that make sense?
0: Uh-huh. It does. How long was that, would that take though? I mean, That's not immediate, obviously.
1: Good question. It all depends on the person's threshold for tolerance and pain. Some people have a high threshold, and I don't mean that critically at all. Some people have a low threshold. So it's exposing you to feared situations, but it's all very, very, very incrementally. So it's using what's called systematic desensitization. And I would take the smallest thing. If let's say you were afraid that you just got contaminated and you had to go wash your hands. I wouldn't make you wait 30 minutes or an hour to wash your hands. I would make you wait about a minute, and then I'd let you wash your hands when usually they can't even wait a minute. So -hmm. it's very, very, very incremental, and that works very effectively because after a while, they start to see that if naturally my anxiety came down before I washed my hands, Mm
0: -hmm. then that
1: starts to build self-reliance and it starts to build confidence.
0: Right, okay.
1: But it's a slow process, so it's a very good question. The third one. The
0: therapist working with that client is going to be pretty sensitive to the anxiety that that creates for them and move at a pace that they can.
1: Absolutely. You have to customize it to each person. You don't want to use what's called flooding. Let's say Mm -hmm. if you're afraid of snakes, I throw you in a room of snakes and I let you stay there for an hour and I lock the door. That's barbaric. We don't do that. But yes, you have to. And again, another good question you have to customize the movement and the progress of the treatment according to that person. Everyone's going to be different, Mm -hmm. but most of them are so eager to do it that they kind of willingly do it. I just do it very, very slowly. There's another part of treatment that works too, which is using mindfulness and self-regulation. And I'm sure you know mindfulness is a different kind of therapy. It's helping you develop a different relationship with discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's teaching you that just because you have a negative thought and you have discomfort, doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong. So it's the ability to manage disruptive emotions and impulses and learn how to soothe and calm your body's reaction to stress. It's also a way to interrupt the threat response while fully engaged in daily living. So every time you feel scared, every time I feel scared, there's a threat response that comes up and that's your fight, flight or freeze response. Learning how to soothe that threat response sets you up much better for the exposures.
0: Yeah, and just the overall probably increases just an awareness for the person and gaining some insight as they calm their body.
1: Yes, and most of them have never tried to do that because whenever they feel the impulse to go and perform a compulsion, as soon as they get triggered, they do it immediately. Right. And so they never try to do that because frankly, it's uncomfortable. You know, mindfulness, all of this is uncomfortable, but mindfulness, really takes a lot of effort to try to teach the body to Mm self-soothe. And most people with OCD, because the obsessions are so intense and so uncomfortable, they've never given themselves a chance to actually sit in that. So they can do these all of these exercises on their own, but it's better with a therapist. So I have them do it in the office with me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's like going to the gym, Jackie. If you go to the gym and you do a three-hour workout, you probably do fine. But if you go to the gym and do a three hour workout with a coach or a trainer, you're gonna do a much better job and it's gonna be more effective, much more
0: effective. So let me ask you this, do you find with clients as you're working with them on their OCD issues, does it also treat the generalized anxiety that may have preceded the OCD?
1: It does, it does because, Yeah. yeah, because generalized anxiety will inspire negative thinking and negative thinking patterns. It's also uh, going to benefit from the mindfulness because generalized anxiety, again, is excessive worry. It's just not necessarily obsessive and compulsive, but there's definitely worry. So these three modalities that I just mentioned are good for any kind of anxiety disorder. Obviously, you'd probably use exposure a little bit less, but exposure works well too, even if you have mild anxiety. You know, to be with those thoughts as opposed to needing to control or either correct those thoughts.
0: Right, so is there a, do we know like a success rate or li- For or, working with somebody or CBT, OCD, yeah.
1: You mean a success rate for working it with these modalities? Right. I don't know the numbers, but if you look up evidence-based psychotherapy for OCD and all anxiety disorders, cognitive behavioral therapy is at the top. Okay. And a close second is gonna be mindfulness. It's gonna be DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. Then you've got all kinds of other ones that also work very well too. They're just not as universal as CBT. Uh You have EMDR, you have lots of trauma treatment therapies, which are vastly different, but most of them are going to use some form of cognitive behavioral therapy as well as the self-regulation skills, which is another way of calling it mindfulness.
0: Right. And so people who are suffering with OCD and having their life interrupted, they can find healing and they can find relief.
1: They can. Another thing that does help, and I know a lot of people are squeamish about it, but medication helps too. There's a lot of good SSRI types of medications. These are antidepressants that work well uh, on anxiety. There's a few that work specifically for OCD. Mm -hmm. And we've helped people that don't want to be on medication, but we find that when you are on an SSRI or you're using some kind of sedative like a out van Xanax, it makes it much easier to do the exposures because it builds so much confidence that little by little you don't need the sedatives anymore because your brain has habituated to the fact that you have actually gone through it and that it did not destroy you. Remember, along with control is also what's called, excessive need for control is also a kind of all or nothing thinking that goes along with OCD thoughts which is I'm either safe or I'm unsafe. In other words, I'm having an okay day, I'm hanging out at the gym, getting my workout, and all of a sudden I have a thought that maybe I touched something that contaminated me and I go from I'm okay to I'm going to die. And so that is very debilitating for people. Right. So excessive need for control and that kind of awareness of all or nothing thinking helps people a lot. And right off the bat, that helps whether you take medication or not. So to answer your question, sorry, that was a long answer too. Uh, An easy question. Treatment works extremely well, and we've had very good numbers with people that come in. And immediately, as soon as you heighten their awareness to the fact that if they start doing these things, they feel better,
0: they do pretty quickly. Mm. That's awesome. So any things that we haven't covered thus far that you wanted to get to, or that you think is important for listeners to understand about OCD?
1: Well, when you think of mindfulness, um, people take for granted when they hear mindfulness. When they hear mindfulness, they generally hear, oh, that's meditation and I can't do meditation. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, it's
1: actually a lot deeper than that. Mindfulness is again, gaining a general awareness about things where I'm starting to accept thoughts merely as events, events that cross over my horizon like a cloud from horizon to horizon. And I basically see these thoughts as events, nothing more, nothing less. And in doing that, I'm using my diaphragmatic breathing, which as we know, slows down the anxiety in general Mm -hmm. and puts the the neocortex, the executive brain back online, especially when you do the exhale. And then also progressive muscle relaxation. We have people do all of those things before they do exposures and you can just see them much more relaxed when they do that, medication or not. Mm -hmm. So it's quite holistic if you really think about it, but one has to do it with a coach, doing it alone or a therapist, doing it alone is very difficult to teach somebody to um, slow down that threat response.
0: Right. And yet the other good thing about mindfulness, I think is that it can be practiced without, you know, uh, other people really knowing what you're doing. So you can be sitting in a work meeting and practicing your diaphragmatic breathing and kind of Uh, lessening muscle tension, and nobody's necessarily aware of what you're doing.
1: That is exactly right. You can do it in a meeting. You can do it driving in your car. You can do it anywhere. You can always flex and stress muscles. I have people do a regimen. They wake up in the morning, and I have them do stretching first, and we go over it together. We lay down in my office, or we do it sitting in a chair. Then we do a kind of guided meditation, and they can go to one of the um, podcasts, or they can go even on YouTube, you can just put in you know, five-minute guided meditation. There's thousands of them. And then they do that and set themselves up for the day and or an exposure. And then you're basically leaving your home with a completely different mindset than you do uh, if you don't do that. If you don't do that, you are back into automatic thinking, automatic pilot. And so these exercises help you to disengage from the automatic pilot, which is always the fearful fight or flight survival mode pilot. And it's there for a reason, it's there for a reason. It's also there because it's fail safe. Remember, God, the universe, evolution would not have given you a fail, would not have given you a survival system unless it's fail safe. Mm -hmm. In other words, caveman didn't have time to say, hmm, should I move away from this charging saber toothed tiger or should I just stand here and be eaten? So when the fight or flight or freeze response is enacted, you have to run. And that's what the body tells you to do. So it's fail safe. The problem with a fail safe system is that it doesn't know how to distinguish between a real fear and an imagined fear. So with OCD, if I fear that I'm contaminated, the fail safe system says, if you don't go wash your hands right now, you're going to die.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's how it works. That's how the body is put together. Maybe that's why human beings have survived this long. Otherwise, you would have been hit by a car a long time ago because you wouldn't have cared. You would never have gone to the doctor if you got sick, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, So tell us a little bit more. Where can people find the Mindfulness for the Soul podcast?
1: So you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Mm -hmm. iTunes. You can find it on Spotify, You can find it on other ones too. I think that if you just Google it, it'll tell you where you can see it. But it's just another one called Anchor, another one called Stitcher, but the main ones are Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, John, for being on today and letting us know about OCD and the fact that people can heal from it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And you asked a lot of great questions. You're an excellent (laughs) interviewer.
0: Thank you.